can be seated. Listen with us to the next chapter on the journey through Ruth. But before we get there, I would be distracted all morning, and I love you all, so I wanted to share that Ben and I got engaged on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> ben has happened to be sitting right there. That's good news. Equally good news, he's moving here. <laughs> Is that okay to say that? Yeah, yeah. So you can hug her and hug them and whatever, text them later, but we've got work to do right now, yeah. okay? We uh, just had to clear the air. We had to clear yeah. the air. We thought in the lights her shining finger would, you know, be distracting <laughs> to you all. So uh, we're, we're on this journey through the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth just kind of leveled the playing field. Uh, the book of Ruth is about Naomi. Uh, Naomi's married to a man named Elimelech. They have two sons, Malan and Chilion. There's a famine in Judah, so they go to the country of Moab. Moab. It's a four-letter word. Uh, Malan and Chilion marry Moabite wives. One is named Orpah, the other is named... There you go. Uh, Malan's name, just out of... uh, Do you remember this? Malan? His name means disease. And Chilion, his name means failure. While they're in Moab, Elimelech, Malan, and Chilion, they all die. And there's this excruciating line at the very beginning of the book of Ruth. So the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. That's the Bible's way of saying, you have no chance. You have no hope. You have no future. Naomi herself, her name means pleasant. Naomi herself says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And you can understand Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, goes back to Moab. Maybe she has a chance in Moab. But Ruth, loyal, Ruth, a friend, Ruth clings to Naomi. It's like she can't leave her. She won't leave her. She sticks with her. Even though Naomi presses her, uh, Ruth responds. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. And so they they go back to Judah, Naomi's home country, together to the town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is where the barley harvest was just beginning. And Bethlehem was known for its bread, actually. And this smells so good. Can you smell it? (laughs) It does smell very good. Well, oh, you only have two points. So we'll get here soon. You'll get here quick. Yeah. On Tuesday morning of this past week, uh, I was uh, sitting with my daughter Ava over toast and orange juice, combing her hair. And for whatever reason, we were talking about uh, names of people in the Bible, like how Simon becomes Peter and Sarai becomes Sarah. And then Ava pivoted, uh, and she said something like, Dad, do you remember in the back days when Ruth clung to that old lady like a shadow? (laughs) That's Ruth. That's the story we're entering into now. Listen carefully and listen well. Now, Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man from the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go glean among the sheaves of grain in the field. 
behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. So she said, go, my daughter. So she went. And Ruth went and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Boaz said to the reapers, the Lord bless you. And the reapers said to Boaz, the Lord be with you. And Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, to whom does that young woman belong? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers said, she is the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She came and said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So early this morning, she came and has been on her feet all day and hasn't even stopped to rest for a moment. So Boaz said to Ruth, listen now, my daughter, do not go to another field to glean, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being gleaned and follow behind them. I've ordered my young men not to bother you. If you're thirsty, drink from the vessels that the young men have drawn. And she prostrated herself with her face to the ground and said, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been told to me, how you left your father and mother and native land and have come to a people you did not know before. May the Lord reward you fully. May you receive a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come for refuge. And Ruth said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I'm not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to Ruth, Come eat some of this bread and take your morsel and dip it into the sour wine. So she sat by the reapers and he heaped up for her parched grain and she ate until she was satisfied and there was still some left over. Then Boaz, when she got up to glean, Boaz said to his young men, Let her glean from the standing sheaves also. And you must also take handfuls from the bushels and leave them for her to glean. Do not reproach her. So she gleaned until evening. And she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. She, she, she picked it up and she came into town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. And she took some and gave her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. And Naomi said to Ruth, where, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be he who took notice of you. And Ruth told her with whom she worked. She said, the name of the man with whom I worked is Boaz. And Naomi said, blessed be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. And Naomi said, He's a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. And Ruth said to Naomi, he even said, keep close to my servants until the end of the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, it's good for you to keep close to his young women. Otherwise, you might be bothered in another field. So Ruth 
kept close to the young women of Boaz until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Ruth chapter 2. If you want to find it in a Bible near you or maybe the smartphone on you. We're traversing the topography of the book of Ruth. We come to mile marker 2. We want you to notice unexpected plenty and unreasonable hospitality. Does that sound like a decent way forward? I need more affirmation than (laughs) unexpected plenty and unreasonable hospitality, then we'll feast. First, unexpected plenty, like abundance and plenty that you don't expect. The the Naomi of Ruth chapter 1 is filled with bitterness and fatigue and frustration and hopelessness and sorrow, and her feet are oriented toward Judah. She's taking a hopeful step, but her heart is full of despair. And then we see the Naomi of Ruth too. Blessed be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. She goes from the Lord's hand is turned against me to blessed be God who is kind and good and provided. And then Ruth, she's eating till she's full and there's more left over, like physical abundant provision for her. And also providential provision in ways that will unfold in chapters 3 and 4. Unexpected plenty. From the disease and failure of chapter 1 to the strength of chapter 2. Boaz means strength. It's a hard pivot. It's a pretty quick pivot. And it's the kind of praise and gratitude and adoration at the providence of God that takes a little bit of humility to admit, especially when we've been in a place of despair before. Unexpected plenty. Blessed be he by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. It's almost like Naomi is saying to herself, God showed up for me. I I didn't really think that he would. God showed up for me. God provided. Unexpected plenty. It's beautiful, this pivot that they take together. I wonder how the unexpected plenty of God found its way into your world in this past week. Maybe small ways. Think back to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Maybe the school drop-off went way smoother than it's been going. Unexpected plenty. Like, small ways. Maybe... A spouse spoke a word of grace where there had been bitterness. Unexpected plenty. Or or maybe bigger ways, like the God of unexpected plenty. Maybe God brought physical healing. Or maybe a, a vocational pathway that you thought was closed off is opening up again. Unexpected plenty. Or maybe that one relationship where there are deep scars and deep wounds that you never thought would see redemption, God is starting to do a new thing in. Unexpected plenty. The, the pivot from despair and lament to one of praise doesn't come naturally for me, personally. I'm sort of a melancholic personality. You could call it INFP. You could call it Enneagram 5 Wing 4. 
You'll see me on the highway, driving in the rain, blasting Phoebe Bridgers, Lizzie McAlpine. <laughs> Everyone under 25 knows who that is. <laughs> and I think my, parent, my parents are here. You would describe me as like a dramatic child, right? Like I was dramatic, <laughs> somewhat dramatic. Like in my feels, she said yes. I like to, to wallow a little bit. So the lament and despair of Naomi feels native to me. I like to tell my feelings to God. And then when God shows up with abundance and provision and providence, the pivot to total praise, total thanksgiving, it takes a lot of humility, actually. And I wonder if that could be God's challenge for us all. You've seen God show up. He's calling you still to emotional honesty before him, but also a posture of praise and thanksgiving because the abundance you're seeing was unexpected. It's a theme throughout scripture, the unexpected plenty of God. Sometimes it looks like streams in the desert or water from a rock or in, in Matthew 5, that same section that was claimed over Luke, God says, or maybe it's chapter 6, like, how much more will your Heavenly Father provide for you? Like, more than you could ever need. Unexpected plenty. And if, if I were you sitting in the pews, my little prosperity gospel alarm bells would be going off. Like, but... But God doesn't always just give us good circumstances. The abundance and provision of God is not most clearly seen in circumstantial relief. The abundance and providence of God is not most clearly seen in circumstantial relief. It's most clearly seen in Jesus Christ, who himself is all the provision, all the plenty that we could ever need. God's gift to us when we didn't expect it, didn't see it coming. Here's Jesus, who is more than enough for us. Jesus, who fills us up so that we have abundant extra to give away to the world. That's the kind of plenty that God invites us to today. Unexpected plenty and unreasonable hospitality. I want you to dial into just one verse with me for a few minutes. Verse 10, chapter 2. Then she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? When I am a foreigner, not a tourist, not an exchange student. Ruth is from Moab. And Samuel, who wrote the book of Ruth, just keeps underlining and insisting. It's almost annoying how often it's repeated, Moab, Ruth the Moabite, from the country of Moab. He doesn't want us to miss where she's from. She's not like us. She's not from here. She's not one of us. And Ruth, Ruth takes on the, the identity of the foreigner. She says, why have you dealt kindly with me and taken notice of me when I'm a foreigner, outcast, other? Now, here's a map of the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Moab. So Israel divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. 
Judah was separated from Moab by the Dead Sea. There was a route leading through Edom that connected Judah and Moab. The relationship throughout history was one of violence and war and hatred and disdain. Occasional cooperation against a shared enemy like trauma bonding, but mostly disdain and dislike and hatred. Ruth is from Moab. Ruth the Moabite from the country of Moab. There's even actually laws. Uh, if you ch- check out Deuteronomy 23, there were laws about Moabites. I do not recommend you reading this chapter, Deuteronomy 23, over devotions with your children. No Ammonite or Moabite shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of their descendants, pay attention to the end of the book of Ruth, none of their descendants shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So what's Boaz doing? It's against the rules. She's a Moabite. What's Boaz doing? Heaping up parched grain for her. What's Boaz doing? Feeding her so much that she's, she's satisfied and has some left over. What's Boaz doing? We, we, we've, we've, we're pretty practiced in the way of othering. Does that make any sense? We're pretty good at that ancient rule of life. You know how this goes? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We're pretty good. If you mess with me, I will show you who's boss. We're just good at that. If I can make up a word. We're good at the enemyization of another. We get baited into these cultural scripts of of polarization and vitriol and anger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Boaz had all of the rights and privileges to do the same thing. It's Ruth the Moabite from the country of Moab. But instead unreasonable hospitality. He opens space and makes space for her, and she is the great-grandmother of King David, of whom Jesus Christ would come. Boaz hospitality paved the way for the redemption of the world. And I, I wonder if our hearts can be capacious enough and big enough and our imaginations wide enough to make space for another, not constantly going the ancient way, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, not constantly giving in to the cultural scripts of polarization, but rather going the way of Jesus. He's the one, after all, who, he's the foreigner. He's the one who left communion with the Father and the Spirit and entered into the finite realities of our lives. He took on what we are so that we can become like he is. He suffered and died on the cross to forgive and rose from the dead to redeem. And the night they killed him, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he poured out the cup and said, this is for you unreasonable hospitality. It's the Jesus way. It's the better way. Let God redeem the world. You just make space. Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I'm a foreigner? She ate until she was satisfied. And then there was some left over. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.